Live from Vulcan, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Howdy, Tim. Hello, how are you, Nick? Good. Uh, new day, new planet. New planet, yep. Uh, the sky is a... Is, um, well, it's, it's, it's different. Something. It is different. Yeah, <laughs> it's not quite like the sky we have at home. No, no, kind of rocky around here. And... I mean, I guess, I guess that would be logical. Yeah, it <laughs> would be. It would be elementary. <laughs> um, so I feel little out of sorts here. I mean, they look mostly like us, but I, I, I keep wanting my hair to cover my ears just in case. Yeah, none of the people who've walked by us have really uh, greeted us that warmly. No, I, I, I don't think we're welcome here. Well, I mean, we're not unwelcome. We're just not particularly welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Our 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 eyebrows are not high enough. <laughs> we're not highbrow enough. Exactly. <laughs> and pun times, everybody. <laughs> uh, that one's free. I didn't even think about that till just this moment. All right. So, Anyways, what are we doing here on Welcome uh, Nick? We're going to do some story school. So for this story school, we were actually inspired by a comment. Should we go ahead and yes, intro although, with that? Although I have to say, this particular topic has been in our uh, queue for a very long time, yes. I think. Yes, yes. Um, but I did get a comment from a friend, uh, a listener, Eric Strong. A long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. No, um, <laughs> actually, I, th- I think it was like end of uh, 2015 he sent me this. And uh, I'll just read it because I think it sums up. This is not the, the entire thrust of our topic t- tonight. It's a, it's a jumping off point. But it's a nice jumping off point. So here, here's his comment. He said, I have a story school request. At what point does the story become unbelievable? I can watch the most far-fetched movie with no problems, and then the writers break their own rules, and I am instantly off-put by it. For example, I watched the first two or three seasons of Arrow with all the craziness that ensued without any qualms, but once they brought Oliver back from the dead, I stopped watching. Or my friend was telling me he watched Anaconda 3, and he couldn't get over (laughs) the fact that an anaconda was in India. Probably the most believable part of the movie, but for some reason that is what bothered him. And he also gives the example of uh, in Star Wars when Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting and Obi-Wan, quote, gets the high ground and then all of a sudden he's invincible. Which, yeah, considering, too, that that's how Obi-Wan defeated Darth Maul, that does seem like a pretty ridiculous sort of fact. But as Eric said, forget everything that happened in the Star Wars saga. That's what we have trouble accepting. Not that there are aliens fighting other aliens with light swords and lasers. It's the fact that he won a fight because he had the high ground. Again, probably the most believable part of the story. Although, again, I think they probably fudged on their own rules. So anyway, so that's that's kind of the first thing we want to we want to talk about, and we've sort of touched on like plot logic, story logic before. Episode thirty nine, we talk a lot about twists, some of the the story logic aspects, but there's a lot of stuff to deal with story logic because it's one of the main things people complain about mm-hmm. in stories. And we've also talked about, I think, in episode thirty six about realism and fantasy and suspension of disbelief. But we keep coming. It's something that it's good to come back to because. We live in a very critical um, time period, and we're all very story savvy. Mm-hmm. And so these things, when they stick out, they they really stick out to us. Um, but we thought it'd be really interesting. Well, I don't know, do you want to start with this first, and then go into our bigger topic of the L- night? Let me. I guess let's just get away a few definitions. Okay. That 
story has various logic to it. I mean, you got how the world works, you have how people work, and you have just like how the philosophy works. You know, so these are all different threads. You know, and like he said in the comments, sometimes the world works with aliens, and we just accept that. But then, why does the high ground thing work? Mm-hmm. You know, and in some ways, there are different types of logic. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to separate those things. And that's some of the stuff we've talked about before, but I guess it's just good to know that straight up. That it's an it's a intertwined bundle of things we're working against. Yeah. But then the kind of big topic we want to tackle is kind of the, the continuum in stories of appealing to your, to your brain, your logic, in the more formal sense, versus your emotions and more your, your emotional logic. So if, in a nutshell, this is sort of logic versus emotions. Yes. We've talked before about how certain stories, I've said before, and it seems to be more this way in books, but I'm, I've kind of grayed that out a little more over the years. But certain stories tend to be more methodical. Mm-hmm. They tend to lean toward a more, I guess, logical mindset. I mean, any Sherlock Holmes, approach, you yeah. know, mysteries generally have to play with the logic or you call foul because it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense or you didn't set that up or whatever. Right. On the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, Once Upon a Time. Yes. <laughs> where it uh, it thrives on the emotions of it, and uh, which Once Upon a Time just uh, ended, finally. I mean, well, well okay, not really. It, it ended a giant. It's a new chapter next time they restart it. Yeah, they'll have a, a massive, Literally. largely a new cast and... Um, so it's definitely the end of an era. You should go check out the Weekly Hijack if you want to hear us talk about it. And Tim and I have sort of a, I hate love, but a back and forth on on its... Effectiveness. It's effective in telling stories. Yeah. 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 And Once Upon a Time thrived in a lot of ways on the emotion of it. And in some ways, you know, if you listen to our talk on the finale... We gave it a lot of leeway because we loved the way they wrap things up with the stories. I mean, there are certain things you could have called foul about them kind of repeating, doing the same things, about doing some deus ex machina stuff. But in the end, we didn't really care that much because we we liked, it gave us warm fuzzies. We felt good about the end. And I guess that's the, and maybe we're just putting the cart before the horse, but I think that's the the appeal to the emotional um, appeal. Uh, the emotional <laughs> logic is that sometimes people go to certain movies, they just want to see something that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. They just want to see the bad guy lose. They just want to see the good guy win. They just want to see the lovers get together. And sometimes our desire to have that ending will let us give a lot of leeway to how they get there mm-hmm. in, in the sense that, well, we know the destination is true love so that we'll fudge a lot of stuff as long as that's the ending we get. Oh, yeah, a kiss will bring, break a curse. Sure, why not? Um, sort, of, sort of mentality. Exactly. I, and... Once, we're using an example because that's what we've been watching, but a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows do this. Anything that's even remotely soap opera-ish does this, or, you know, serialized tends to focus very much on your emotions. Or in action movies, you know, Mm -hmm. most people, I mean, you're going to have your sticklers that want, there's a spectrum even within, like, action movie realm. Some people want their war movies to be very realistic. Whereas other movies, like, if you're going to watch a movie where a guy like swings into a plane of glass and instead of like breaking his arms he just he just you know crashes yeah. right through and rolls and then gets on his feet and keeps going like the later diehards yeah exactly 
die hard to fall, or, uh, live live for your die hard. I mean, there's some yeah, ridiculous it, thing. If that's the kind of movie you want to see, then you're not going to question that. If if on the other hand, if you would rather see, you want grit, you want realism, then that's you know, it's a completely different kind of beast. And I think maybe the the heart of this dichotomy is a story can only say so much at one time. A story is not completely comprehensive. It can't say all things all the time. And so it's choosing what it wants to say and whether it's trying to say something, whether it's trying purposely, here's, this whole story exists for the sake of the ending or this whole story exists for the sake of this idea. You know, those are two different things. Yeah. If it's an action movie, it's about the... It's more about the, the, the journey. Visceral, the, the visceralness of Yeah, it. the visceralness. And less so about the... I mean, you usually want them to have a happy ending, but that's not the that's not the point. But you know, you don't really care if it's Colombians or Russians or Chinese. You just want some bad guy that you believe is a bad guy, mm-hmm. some cool gadgets, a lot of punching, <laughs> and some explosions. Exactly. Yeah, that's really all you need. Where if you go to a serious war movie, you're, you don't want the, you want to know why they're doing things, what's doing things. You know, if you go to a Mission Impossible movie because of the things built, you do want it to make. You do want it to be a little convoluted in a way that makes sense. Yeah, because that's what Mission Impossible is. But if you go to like a, you know, uh, what's what's the all the old action heroes going together? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Mm, no, the Sylvester Stallone and he's... oh, Expendables. Expendables. Then yeah. you're you're looking for something very different. That's true. There's even and there's still a certain scale. Of, you you expect Mission Impossible movies to at least be a little smarter than say a Transformers movie. Yeah. There's should be a little bit more sophistication, even if you're not expecting uh, the great escape. And see, we're already confusing because now we're talking sophistication versus emotion versus lot. I mean, it's complicated. Well, like you said, it's it's a spectrum. Yeah. So, and even what something that is should be very obviously on one end of the spectrum, like say really in the emotional spectrum, people still expect a certain sort of internal logic, logic. even within that little area. So and it's I, yeah, it's kind of. Wibbly wobbly. <laughs> Time wimey. Um, Doctor Who is a perfect example of hand waving. Well, except not. Like, depending on the episode, it, you either want, most episodes, you want some sort of real logical connection between things. Mm-hmm. Now, the logical connection can be very bizarre. <laughs> yes. But you still say, they're, they're still largely are mysteries. Like, why are these aliens here? Why? What are they doing? How? What are they getting from it? You know, mm-hmm. they're not there just because they're evil. Yeah, there'll there definitely some be some episodes. Again, I, I the specifics aren't coming to me off the top of my head because it's been about a year or so since we watched Doctor Who. See our weekly hijack for last year. Um, but I, I do know there's been times where you come out of an episode and like there was a little too much hand waving going on yeah. there. Like I, I was, it just wasn't satisfying in some ways. And then there's other times where the doctor's like, you know, pointing his sonic screwdriver and he's just being awesome and you don't care. You know, <laughs> I mean, it makes enough sense in the moment and you're like, yes, this is awesome. This is what I, why I love the show. I, I guess the emotional aspect of stories, especially when it kind of trumps the logic or at least it not trumps it overshadows overshadows. That's a good um, word. Yeah. Is because we really want, we go to, especially visual medium, for that experiential thing. I mean, musicals run like this all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, musicals are basically, let's just do emotion and we'll, we'll throw some ex- some excuses in here for why they fell in love here, why this or, you know. Uh-huh. But largely just a series of uh, fortuitous events. 
Which again is also why musicals worked so well for Once Upon a Time. It, exactly. <laughs> when they had a musical episode, it was like, yeah, I don't care if this is the same story you've told us before, just in a different new way. It's like they're singing now, and it has a whole another layer to it. <laughs> and I think the thing with the emotionalism of say Once Upon a Time or other shows that are are heavy on emotion, lower on logical, like scientific logic, is that most people go with them. They're watching that show, and they're they're in that sort of zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some people who are going to watch, never watch me. They're like, this is ridiculous. I'm not. Yeah. There's just a certain type of person for some some of these things. And I, I remember reading an article one time about a person who tries, they might, they couldn't appreciate musical as an art form. They weren't going to make fun of it because they kind of understood. It was like seeing something from the outside. They understood yeah. how other people could kind of get wrapped up into yeah. it. But they couldn't. There was like some mental block that they could never really engage with it quite the same way that they, they could see other people were. But I think even in the emotional end of things, you have a couple possible pitfalls. Mm-hmm. One is that if you contradict your own internal logic, I mean, once upon a time, they'll say things like, oh, there's all kinds of saviors. And then at the end, only one savior matters. But what, why? You yeah. know, you purposely set up a hurdle that we didn't need. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is then, especially when you, you start contradicting characters whom you, you've grown to love for who they are, and yeah. they contradict themselves in order to get a different emotion out of the audience. Yeah. And that's no, probably the the most egregious one in emotional shows. That's a good point because you want to have character consistency. If you're if you're going to have your audience fall in love with your characters, their growth, their arc has to be consistent or you've really lost your viewer otherwise. Yeah, because emotional ones tend to be rooted either in look how cool I am or you love the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even care what the plot is as long as your characters are doing something. You know, it just occurred to me, that might be one reason why I've really fallen out of love with, I don't know if I was ever in love with Arrow particularly, but uh, with some of the other CW shows, because they got this sort of soap opery feel to it, especially Oliver and Arrow. I, at some point, I felt like they were just kind of pounding the same lessons in him over and over, and he never really took it and, and grew with it. Mm-hmm. At least, from what I could tell. I mean, I mean Oliver was a little more trusting in season three than in season one, but he still wound up doing the same dumb things over and over again, and it just got tiresome. And if, maybe that's the heart of the... If, you, if you're going to be a writer or a creator... That's going to want you. You care about the motion more than the world building and all the everything lining up in some sort of scientific way. You've got to make your characters consistent in a way that makes sense to the people because emotion is rooted in character largely. Mm. Um, in in movies and even in books, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. For instance, Doctor Who with Pierre Capaldi when he first became Doctor, some people had a hard time with him not because it was a new guy, but because he had such this hatred for the military. That mm-hmm. felt out of place for people who were ha- had not seen where that came from. Yeah, or not with that, not with intensity that the writers were pushing it forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, it was people understood that the doctor changed every time, but Cabaldi was such a stark change at first. Mm-hmm. Um, they've softened him a lot since it, then. It, I yeah. think in some ways, I think maybe too much, but eh, it's still an enjoyable show. But yeah, that that definitely made that particular transition a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Our, our favorite example from Once Upon a Time is uh, Rumpelstiltskin character, Mr. Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always way at waffling between being good and being bad and everything. I mean, the end of season, what was it? Five. Five? Yeah, last season. No, it wasn't the end of that season. It was mid, mid that season before they went Underworld. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. He basically, 
he'd been doing pretty good and he he'd been he'd been training to be a hero with Merida from yeah, Brave and and he got married and and then suddenly he's like and I decided to be the dark one again and there was no setup no anything it was completely out of left field and not and it, w- it was basically like reversing his entire arc in a s- sentence in a yeah, scene mm-hmm. and they sort of play like Once Upon a Time was was very good at retconning. Mm-hmm. Well, not just retconning, but making things work after they implemented them, even if the implementation wasn't good. And they did, they had some sort of after the fact justification for it where he just, he saw himself as this, you know, this bad person and he didn't think he could actually break away from it. It's like, well, okay, but But he seemed to be, yeah, he seemed to, he seemed to have been genuinely trying. It it was, it was kind of mean to your audience in some ways. Okay, let's. Let's talk a little bit about the logical side, which is a little underrepresented in modern media, I think. Yeah, and I know we probably don't give it its due uh, in some ways as, as much. There's definitely a, a certain stories that have been to me read more methodically, in a mm-hmm. sense. If you just read the plot summaries of some art movies, some Igmar Bergman, for example, they would sound really boring. Yeah. Like, like technically, not much happens in there, at least from, from a bare-bones description of it. Yeah. But it's usually in the telling of those stories and involves a higher degree of audience participation, usually, to put the pieces together. And it's interesting because it's it's logical. And I know that I might be going a little different avenue yeah. than you're expecting with the mysteries because, yeah, Sherlock Holmes is logical and mysteries are logical in, in a sense. But a lot of these more higher end books, movies yeah. require a bit more thought into like you can't just there's emotion in there but uh it's not the sort of story that sweeps you up no with it's more nuanced it's more psychological in some ways like kind of like you can what follow were... the you can follow the the path yeah either sort of like what you were saying with the sound of the fury is mm-hmm. an example of, the, of a book you've talked about on here that was similar where there's certain chapters where you had to really concentrate yeah. to piece together what was happening and you got the emotion came through but it was in a much more logical methodical sort of yeah you, yeah you you see the progression you know you're 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 not just you're not so much wanting to be swept up with the characters as follow the characters on their journey in a more, you know, up and down and, you know, internal sort of way, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think those sort of stories, too, they tend to have less time for plot holes. There may be still some, and I haven't... But they they don't rush so fast. Well, they don't rush so fast, and in some ways, because their stories tend to be simpler, there's less complications involved, Mm -hmm. leaves less room for, you know, weird things to kind of fall by the wayside. And then, then, like, books you'll get, you know, ones that are still very emotional... In the content, but like you're saying, they're constructed purpose. Like, you know, I got thrown in my Dostoevsky. You know, there there's a lot of ideas being thrown around. They're in thrown around very realistic, emotional set. Well, realistic is a relative term, but um, <laughs> you know, when you're a guy who just killed old lady, you prove that you're not bound by morals and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> but they're they're more, I guess, just analytical, mm-hmm. both of the characters. End of the end of the plot and what's how things work together because in a story like that, if there's plot holes, then it, it ruins the analysis you're doing mm. to a certain extent. Yeah, it's almost like um, art as well in Dostoevsky, kind of what you said. It's almost like 
art as making an argument. Yes, especially in some of his, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, if, you, if you're formulating an argument, particularly like, say, if you do an essay or, a, yeah. or you know, nonfiction book, you should be purposely looking for your own flaws mm-hmm. in, in your argument or where people are going to try to, and then you try to fill those, those flaws as much as you can. And on the, on the far side of the logical side, you'll have sometimes books, like some hard science fiction books, things by like Arthur C. Clarke, 2001 or Ramadan or whatever it was. Uh, not Ramadan, but Rama? Rama had, I don't know. There's a space station one I read once where it's so much about the ideas that the characters you really don't care about. I mean, mm. they're moving pieces. Michael Crichton, mm-hmm. um, a lot of his later books like Next and stuff, the characters are largely just there as stand-ins. Ex- yeah. yeah, exactly. Sure. And again, I'm not saying that's that's on the far. That's on the other far extreme. That's like the right. anti soap opera in some ways. <laughs> yeah, and that even that, like Michael Crichton, probably is not considered like highbrow as, yeah. as much as some, like say your uh, Sound and the Fury. So yeah, Faulkner. I mean, there's some people who have very. I read a story by Chekhov. Antov is it Anton Chekhov? I think so. On the, um, but I had never read of any of his a while ago. Um, I didn't like it very much, but it was just one of those. It's very analytical of how how people interact. You know, he's digs deep in this how people's psyches and uh-huh. but i think that's interesting that just because we're saying that it's logical it's not necessarily mean it's like emotionless not, not necessarily oh. emotionless but not but also not necessarily considered the high high art oh that's true quote unquote yeah because um, michael Crichton, if you know, like you i think yeah. that's a good point some of those books are more about analytics or about facts but they're, they're still sensational there's still some, yeah, there's so, I suppose they're kind of kind of in the middle then of the logic emotional spectrum. You know, and this all brings me back. I remember, I think I mentioned when we did our flash fiction episode. Okay. Um, we did an entire episode on flash fiction? Yeah, we did. Or short, oh, short, short stories. Short okay. stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember when I'm trying to teach, when I used to teach middle schoolers, that even in a thousand words or less, you have to do two things to make a good flash fiction. You have to have a physical ending, like the, the character wants something and he gets it or he doesn't get it. But you also need an emotional ending. Mm. Like there's needs you need to feel something at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Whether yeah he got it or yeah he didn't. Because getting it, you might just get it. But if you don't care where they got it, it's not really a good story. Yeah, that's. Um, or if you're happy he got it, but you don't know how it changed him. Yeah, or, or anything. I I, th- I think that's uh, oh the uh, I'm gonna forget his name. I'll remember it later. Maybe yeah. I'll say it later. There's there's a famous screenwriter who who's written a lot about story, and I read a book of his in back in film school, and I can't think of his name. But anyway, I remember seeing someone quote him on Twitter once, where he basically said, "If at the end of the, of your story, your hero gets the thing he said he was looking for, and that's it, then your story is crap." Yeah, <laughs> basically, because exactly. if there's not if there's not an emotional connection, if your character hasn't gone on some sort of journey, mm-hmm. it's not just about getting. Okay, well, maybe it is just about getting the Ark of Covenant, but you know, at least Indiana Jones also got a girl out of the deal. Well, no, that, but he learned <laughs> something about I. You know, I think there was a sort of the Ark. Some, you know, there was I don't know, wonder or, or a fear or something about. Well, I guess you could say that more. I, I don't know. I don't know that Indy learned more about uh, the character of God. No, no, that. I'm not trying to say that. But. but I guess you could say that was the case more so with um, Last Crusade. Yeah, where it's it's about getting the the Holy Grail, but it's also about reuniting with your dad. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. And I think good stories do both. And again, like the continuum, it's kind of how you, how much you overemphasize one aspect to another. Mm. Um, I do think in modern media, exp- well, even like the young adult books, from my understanding of them, 
um, movies, popular stuff tends to tilt towards the emotion, mm-hmm. which is just how things are right now. And that's why people go to the stuff they want to have an experience. Yeah. And they don't want to, they don't necessarily go to it to, to but, learn as much as to feel. Yeah. But I think it's for I, better and for worse. For better and for worse. And I sometimes wondered, though, just as sort of a, a thought for writers, is that if we do that too much, I wonder if we don't um, affect how we actually think logically about the world in real life. Mm. Because if you take these shortcuts in making you feel in stories, do we also then want think the same short shortcuts exist in real life? Yeah. No, that's, I don't think that's a storyteller's fault necessarily, but as you know, if all your work is only, I don't know, I think it's an interesting consider. And also as a, as a, as a consumer of entertainment, we need do to under, not just understand that they, hey, these are the shortcuts, but am I using story logic in real world situations? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Am I letting my entertainment, you know, reflect? Yeah. I mean, we don't mind if, you know, the guy gets a girl an hour and a half and they live happily ever after, but an hour and a half it's not going to normally do that in real life. Yeah, we shouldn't expect that ourselves. Or like everything, everything in a in any sort of thriller TV show is conspiracy. I mean, you had ten seasons of X Files, and everything was always a monster running around. Mm. Skull is like, it couldn't be. This is a scientific explanation. Mulder's like, no, it's not, and it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, does that affect our belie- our susceptibility to believing conspiracies? Mm-hmm. Apparently, twelve million Americans believe that lizard people run the world. Um, that's from an article. From an article on the Atlantic. Yeah, from a poll from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> which is a little frightening, actually. No, but. it's interesting because I've seen some of this actually in, and I'm not, won't go into specifics, yeah. of course, but in my job as uh, in as a legal assistant, I work with a lot of people in like you know workers' comp and social security sort of avenues, and a lot of people they when they start seeing lots of what they see is just kind of doors. F- put in front of them to getting the benefits that they believe they need. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't understand that it may not, it's not necessarily that the other company has it out to get them or, you know, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes an insurance company is just not work. is not just not cooperative for whatever reason, but other times they just, what may seem like a blocking delay may just be something innocent, like the company needing to verify certain information yeah. or things just getting lost and you know buried in mountains of paperwork. Sometimes what seems to be antagonistic because everything's good or bad in a TV show, normal, yeah, and especially an emotional. You have good and bad. You don't have kind of a gray. Kind of great. People are just a little more uh, incompetent than we realize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know it's not intentional. It's just life. Know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, office workers have you know are fallible just yeah. like anyone. And we don't want we don't want to read stories about just normal life, which is why we go gravitate towards the more exciting stuff. And sometimes I think that also it makes us expect our lives to be more like everything gets painted with a much more epic paintbrush because mm-hmm. we've been told, you know, that all people are like super important and yeah. well, you are in a sense, but you have to look at yourself in the grand picture of the universe. See, I think thing goes back to Tolkien's idea that uh, not just his, but you know, stories there to to rest us and rejuvenate us so we're ready to go back. You want to go go to a world that's even more brilliant to remind you that this world is but mm. sometimes instead of using it as a resting going out we we use it as a place to camp mm-hmm. instead and then like well and then i'll go back to real life um yeah yeah i think it's it is a very dangerous thing um and it, i didn't mean to end this on a depressing note but <laughs> <laughs> 
we're going for the emotion, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, I think as a creator, it just it's good to be in balance. Obviously, if you can do both both the logic and the emotion well, because the best. I honestly believe the best emotional impact you're going to get when it's already rooted solidly in truth. In, in truth, exactly. I mean, storytelling is truth. Um, and and if the if the bottom level of truth is good, then you can yeah. I mean, write in such a way so that that's solid, so that the you know, I mean, the world of Middle Earth is very well defined, and all the motivation very well defined, and that doesn't detract but add to the joy of or the the despair of Frodo when he thinks everything's over and the joy when it isn't. Yeah. And so I think the two really should should not be in competition with each other, but optimally work with each other. And it just, it's hard to find that balance because it's easy to skew one way or the other. Well, especially if you get into an editing phase and then all of a sudden you just see about like, well, this really work out? This, you know, you start questioning yeah. all the, you know, cause and effects of things in your story. Uh, it could be really easy to boil down like I have to, I have to cover up every yeah. possible plot hole there yeah. is. And, so and you can't do that. You can't do that because again, the story's only telling one sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's plenty of stories where I'm like, I just I ignore all this other stuff because that's not what I care about. <laughs> and you could say, but why not that? It was like, well, okay, but yeah. I don't care about his parents in this book, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, certain things are going to be more important to other readers, and some of that is just outside of the creator's control. Yeah. So anyway, we've been all over the place. <laughs> we've been as all usual. over the place. Yes, but uh, hopefully, open up an, uh, so at least some some different thoughts on this on the continuum. Yes, both in your watching and in your in your creating. Yep, I agree. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on into soundtrack. It's my soundtrack first today. I thought I'd go a little on the logic side. So I took a remix from Professor Clayton and the... Or Clayton. Professor Layton. Uh, Professor Clayton's from, like, what, Tarzan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not Clayton. Not Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Layton and the Curious Village. This is called Luke, a true gentleman, prefers a touch of light jazz. Indeed he does. <laughs> so um, it's enjoyable. It's remixed by Protodome. Um, it's short and sweet and enjoyable. Thank you. 
We're back! Yay! That was I really enjoyed that. We need more, more light jazz, more more light jazz, and it's nice to get something chill from you. A lot of times we get these really weird experimental stuff. Yeah, I don't know why that would be, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is good chill. Anything by Protodome is a lot of fun. I have a, a album from him, which is good. Now, was Professor Layton in the Curious Village? Is that one of the games? Is that's that the, the one I bought. I that's one, one I you played. played. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Awesome. So that was nice. I wish you did one of the final theme of that game. It was awesome. Anyways, maybe next time. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I think it's time because it's been since about January for some. What if? What if? So originally we thought, well, maybe we'll try to change some emotional stories into logical and vice versa. Then we realized. They've kind of already done that. So we're like, we're like, hey, you know, what if we ended Return of the Jedi? And instead of being all just celebratory, you had to like, was the Empire really dead? And did you need a treaty? And oh wait, I read that book. Yeah, there are a lot of. And books then like, like okay, that. take Sherlock home and make it emotional. And then like, oh, that's the BBC Sherlock. Basically. So yeah. um, we were not having much luck with that <laughs> idea. So we instead decided let's take some of these uh, emotional ideas, going off kind of where we were at toward the, the tail end of that discussion. And what would happen if our to our everyday lives if that's actually what happened? This is how we lived. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think this will make for a very exciting lifestyle as as we uh, implement these fictional things that stories have taught us into our yeah. everyday life and so, make it a lot better. We'll just start easy, okay? Okay. See if if I lived in the emotional story logic, I could fix any computer problem in about thirty seconds. Just by hacking. Just by just, just type. It does I don't even type. have to look. Yeah. I can just and these these screens would pop up that have nothing to do with any real computer program I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, Pentagon, five minutes. I'm in. Yeah, you know? You can hack into it from your bedroom. I can I can I can go to a phone, I can just I can blue jacket just by like the guy can be across the way, there'd be ten people, I'll just like click my button and boom. You've been watching a lot of personal I've interest, been watching a lot, you? Yeah. I've I've always like <laughs> I'm like Early on, it was really complicated. Like the first season, the Blue Jack people. Yeah. Now they're just like, don't. Yeah, I got him. Like I got all five of his phones. <laughs> they, they, they've honed their app really well by that point. But and and also and also learning from person of interest. You know, if we could just talk on our earpieces and no one would notice that we're just talking to ourselves. No, in the no one ever cares. I mean, you just you're just like. I can't. Hi, Finch. How are you today? And you just no one even looks at you. No one. There can be muggings in the street, and everyone just keeps walking by. You're shooting people with kneecaps in the middle of the daylight, and yeah. no one cares. Yeah. You can get away with all kinds of stuff. It is awesome it's living a this world. Great place to be a fugitive, man, or even a vigilante. Oh yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what street you're on. You're in New York City. You just you pull out gun. Sometimes I can pull out. Big honking gun sometimes. Just walk down the street and no one bats an eye. No one calls the police. I mean, no, none of this like concealed carry stuff. I'm going to be carrying my submachine gun down Kendallville. And everyone's going to be like, hi, Nick. I'm like, hi. And they'll be like, hey, Tim, in my earpiece, how are you doing today? And they're like, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> how do you do that thing with your voice? You know, and the nice thing is I, I can just shoot my gun. 
I don't have to reload very often, no. except if it's a really tense fight, and then I will. Then, then, then you know it's serious. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, really, my life will be way more exciting than right now. And and honestly, any video, you know, the bad guys can't get away with anything because any video camera footage that you have, you know, no matter how grainy it is, you can be, you can enlarge that sucker like a thousand times, yeah. you know, and it's not going to be, it's, it's going to look just as good as if it was in a, in a high so, def camera. So for our, for our our new roles as vigilantes. Man, this new world is... is we got it cop- made. Yeah, I mean, cops are just boring. I mean, they sit there doing actual paperwork and stuff. I mean, luckily also, if I want to have two or three jobs in one episode, it doesn't matter. I don't... <laughs> you got plenty of time to d- take care no, of it. My boss doesn't care. I mean, there's some talk about, hey, you should be at your desk or something. But, I mean, there are no requirements for me. I can just be anywhere I want. There's no travel time. Um, okay. Uh, we should probably move away from personal well, interests. That's, that's 24, too, or any, any <laughs> show like that. Any show, yeah, any of those okay, super, so anyway, super cop shows. So super cop shows, I could I could deal with living in a super cop show. And and especially since you don't have to worry about traffic, like, almost ever. No, stoplights, never. Yeah, no. Like, you know, there's a nuclear bomb about to go off 10 miles away. You can get no there road construction. With, yeah, you can get there in within five minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, so okay. <laughs> That's a good start. Yes, what else we got? Something that's important, and I've learned from... About every Disney movie I've ever seen. Yes. And from six seasons of Once Upon a Time. Yes. Is if I can believe in myself, I can do anything. If you just have enough hope, you just have faith. I can fly. You can fly. You can, you know, you just go home and be a best-selling author oh, I can just say, by I can say, it. you know what? I am worthy of that New York best time seller. And I'll just send them a draft I haven't edited that I typed that night be in a long montage. Mm-hmm. And... And the editors publish it like in the next day or two. I mean, it's amazing the turnaround of these things. If, if only you just believe. It's just yeah. The old, the pesky thing is that I just there's just I only have ninety nine percent belief, not full hundred percent belief. Uh, see, that's not gonna cut it. Nick. No, I and I can just that's all that's stopping me is that that one point one percent. Yeah, exactly. And on the reverse side of that, if I ever do anything wrong, if I if I ever do you know any crime, any evil. What I know, because I believe in myself, is that it's not my fault. I had some really bad parents. Ah, yes. Because if TV's taught me anything, emotionally, I'm responsible for nothing because I have very bad parents. No, yes. We are not responsible for any of anything. Not mass murdering whole cities. Or you know gassing people. And it could just lying all the time. You know, stealing my my because this this one girl told the truth and my mother found out about it and you know be, that justifies me slaughtering villages yeah. and uh, obviously yeah. I mean that's a big deal she she ruined your childhood exactly so you don't you, you can't deal with that yeah look I can rob a bank as long as I'm doing it for a good reason yes like you really had to get that toy airplane out of the safe deposit exactly. box. <laughs> That was important to you. <laughs> you know how, you know, of course you need So, yes, I mean, seriously. So, I feel better, not only because I can do anything I want because I believe in myself, I can do anything I want because I had a bad childhood. Circumstances. Circumstances, you know, yeah. you, had, you had a good reason. And, and the thing is, you won't hate me for it either because once I'm nice for a couple days, it's all, that, yeah. everything's forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be forgiven. I'm just an awesome guy. It's like, I like I like you enough now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, life is good. Not only going to be like super cop, but I, uh, my life is just pretty much... Pretty much set. Yeah, I don't, you know... 
the other great thing too is you know there there really are no consequences for sleeping around. No, no, not at all. I mean, you can just do whatever you want. There's no, there's no hurt feelings from people. Everyone's gonna get slapped. Well, it's kind of funny. Yeah, and you know, people are like, oh, look at that. Look, you know, and people just think I'm a big scallywag, basically. And you know, if you're a man, if you're an established man like you are, that's perfect you know but also teenagers you know if if teenagers are sleeping around you know it's it's not a big deal well, anymore no, you know it's pretty much how you should do it isn't it yeah i, I think this is how everyone grows up yeah of the very worst it makes for great funny stories later on yeah yeah i mean you don't have to worry about diseases or getting pregnant or anything unless it's you know just kind of a fun pregnant comedy oh yeah and then you just like oh there's a baby and then you know <laughs> later on it's kind of not even in the show anymore yeah i mean life um right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this real life? Yes, yes. That's, yeah. that's what yeah, we're this talking is, about. This, is this just fantasy? <laughs> I know. Um, but we're caught in a landslide of story things kind of sweeping away mediocrity. Yes, exactly. This is this is the life you were meant to have. Based on what we've learned from TV. Yeah, exactly. Um, for instance, also, I'll know that as I'm a parent, if my kids say anything outlandish, ridiculous, whatever, it's completely true. They, they must be right. They must be right. They know way more than you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a dumb dad that um can't possibly know what the kids are are feeling and doing Mm -hmm. um and they're probably they're probably solving murders right now while i'm over here and and catching criminals and fighting aliens and stuff and i'll get home and they'll try to tell me like get back to bed Theo," and they'll just be mad (laughs) dad you don't understand i'd be like Whatever I, I'm, uh, huh. you know, but you know, we all we should have should have remembered that because we all went through it, you know. Oh yeah. As, as a teen, you know, you you decide I've got to find my own path. You don't understand. I've got to do my own thing, and so and usually, of course, you know what that means could be you decide you want to be a mass murderer. Oh yeah. But which is totally fine because you know you had to find out what was right for you. Well, I started I started a arcade in Kendallville, a giant thing because it's been my dream for ages. I believed in myself and I was finding, I knew that I really want to own coin coin operate arcade. No problem about money or that the fact that no one goes to arcades anymore. I mean, right now it's it's just thriving. And if ever I should be bankrupt and down on my luck, I know it's the due to basically some some really um, intolerant government Agents who just come in and, and growl at me and, and have ridiculous rules. Pro- probably Republicans. Probably, almost certainly Republicans. And that I'm probably, like, my arcade is built on some sort of wetland or something that, or, no, that's the opposite of what would actually happen because, but. Probably could, because it, it wasn't stimulating to the community enough. Or you bring like in riffraff in or, yeah, yeah, yeah some, and, some, and some really, ridiculous reason. But, but I know that in the end that. I'll be vindicated, and there'll be a giant party, and the entire town will be there, and there'll be a cool musical montage, you know, music there, mm-hmm. and that the government people will be led away to jail because basically some sort of corruption. Either that, or you'll get sucked into your own arcade machine, and then you'll have to like, which is awesome. Say, yeah, I've done that before. You'll you'll wind up in cyberspace. You have to save all humanity from being taken over by the machines, and then when you get out, you'll be able to just rejigger the entire system to give you yourself a million. You know, dollars. you know the nice thing. So I, I become a dad. I came back to this. The nice thing about my kids doing adventures when I'm gone and me not believing about them is that at least I know that my my dog is very intelligent. And we'll keep them safe at all times. And he'll survive anything. Oh, yeah. I mean... The dog has to survive. Yeah, I mean, if my house gets l- l- flattened by a meter, the, my dog gets out. Yes. I mean, so the, the comforting thing I have is that no matter what happens to me, my dog will still be alive. Mm-hmm. That's very comforting. I mean, I, I don't care as much about my kids or my extended family. If my dog lives, and he will, mm-hmm. that's what I've learned, that I will be very, very happy with my life. Yes. 
Boy, the stories have really made our world a, a better place. Man, yeah, I don't know why I would ever leave these things. So, okay, we get very dark and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> so, I think we've hit all. <laughs> I think we hit just about all of them. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that would. Um, that took an interesting turn. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I actually want to live in that world. Actually, it's a little topsy turvy. Anyways, so what what do we have next? Nick? Let's let's finish up with a project update. Well, there's one big thing, a couple of small things. Um, I guess just because I've been talking about it, Sorzum is completely edited. It's off. They're getting covers. It'll be out fall this, this year. This fall? Okay. Yeah. If you haven't heard about Sorzum, it's a barbarian story uh, written by me and Nathan Marchand and Aaron Brosman. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I've rejiggered it. And I think it should be it should be fun. Cool. It's a, it's a short book. It's a novella. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm not doing a lot. I'm working with some girl called Snort. I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with the cover for that, actually, for Sorzum. We gave him some, some, we really kind of wanted to be really pulpy, you know, yeah. barbarian. Right. Um, we gave him a scene near the end where, like, Asundi, who's the princess, is on the altar, and Margrook's there in his mask, and ready to sacrifice her, and Sorzum's like, no. Oh, we thought okay. that would be kind of fun. I don't know if they'll do it, but uh, that's the suggestion we gave him. Nice. And I think I mentioned this before, this year is sort of my, let's finally get all this old stuff out of the way. I've been listening to old podcasts, and I talk about Strain Fred in my old podcast. (laughs) That's horrible. So, Swordsman was one of the three things left, or three and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, Snort's another one. That one, I've read all the way through again, did my edits, well, paper edits. I'm putting them in, getting them out to beta readers, and that will be basically on my hands in a couple weeks, except for comments from other people i forget what what is your plan for girl called snort not completely sure i'm gonna beta read it make sure because it was serialized so i'm more worried that does it hang together when you read all together as opposed to Mm. week after week after week right i might i might try to submit it just because otherwise i'll just self-publish it now when you submit it you say would you go to barking i'll probably start there just because okay i have an in i can submit at any time i don't have to go through all the fancy formalities true so i might as well try it hmm I bet they would like it, honestly. It seems... It seems, it seems like, they're... Yeah, at least the sort of stuff I've done. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then it will be Strand Fred after that at some point. I just... I'm working up the courage, largely, because... November 2017. Or much later. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, when you actually will work on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I keep dragging my feet, partly because it's a, it's such a big thing, and I, it almost, like... As long as there's stuff to distract me, I will be distracted. You've been good, though. You haven't started up a new project. Which has been very hard, honestly. I imagine it's been so, hard. But, and it's kind of sad. But, but, yes. but I, I've been proud. You've been very disciplined in that way. I mean, even if, yeah, you're going back to old projects, you're still not starting a new one. Well, and I'm almost gun-shy about starting new stuff now. Because I know I got all this other stuff hanging over me. I think I feel a lot freer once some mm. of this stuff's done. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem so, is when you finish book three, then isn't there a book four? And I might Fred? want to because I'll, I'm, I'll be I'm, I'll be ready to do something new, and at least I'll be new, and I'll have ideas. Probably having just the hardest thing for me going through is not only do I have to revise book three, but I really need to read one and two and get them out again. They're out of print. Oh yeah. Um. So it's kind of this giant project. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that's that's me. Yep. And I don't have a whole lot of. Uh, I'm I'm still sort of trying to figure out. I've so I've been at doing. Man, it's, it's already been half a year that I've been doing this paralegal thing. It's nuts how time flies. Those of you who've been following the weekly hijack know it, it was it was a struggle just to get the pod those podcasts out, and those don't really require that much work. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out kind of a new way 
to outlet creativity aside from these podcasts. Yeah. So I don't have a whole lot of other projects going on, although I should say that if you have enjoyed my rants about Kingdom Hearts That's over true. the past, you should check out, I did start a uh, Twitch channel, Storyteller Frog, where I've been going through, my plan is to go through all the Kingdom Hearts games that, um, because they're basically all out, well, for the most part, on uh, PlayStation 4. And some of them are just the DS games. They they didn't do a full remake of, they just, but they've done cinematics of the most important scenes. Mm. So I'll probably just have a movie night or something when I get to those but I'm almost, as of this recording, uh, actually probably before this podcast comes out, I'll have finished the first game, yeah. the first Kingdom Hearts game. And those the stream videos are are available for a limited time on Twitch, and I'm archiving them on my own YouTube channel for I'll use at a later time. Yeah. But right now, I stream every Friday night. I've been playing through like about a world or two. I think this, like I said, this week I'll probably just wind up doing a bunch of boss fights. Yeah. Uh, the the final boss fight and some optional stuff. But if you enjoyed Disney, if you enjoyed Kingdom Hearts, if you enjoy Final Fantasy, you're definitely welcome to tune in. I've been kind of running it a little strange. My initial thought when I started doing it is I wanted to be able to talk about uh, Kingdom Hearts lore as we do it. And I do some of that because I enjoy digging into the nuts and bolts of the franchise. But I do have one of the people who's been watching regularly, I know is fairly new to a lot of the later, and I know a lot of other people, there's some of the later games, there's some people who don't know as well who might be watching. So I'll I'll try not to... Not super spoilery. Try not to be super spoilery. I I might mention the few, but I'll try to to control myself. So Kingdom Hearts, on the scale from logic to emotion, where does this thing... Oh, emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was with Heartless and, and other such things. Yeah, and there's... People talk about... Being feeling lost when on um, like weights of compl- plot complications. That's Kingdom Hearts in a nutshell. You you almost have to embrace the nuttiness, which I, it's interesting. I've noticed from based on YouTube commenters, a lot of people will say that the the series has gone downhill into this kind of ridiculous, overcomplicated stuff. But considering I started playing in college and I was sort of fully aware of kind of the the good part and kind of the weird part of yeah. End of Kingdom Hearts, I noticed it. I, I'm I'm probably more okay with it for, than the people <laughs> who started playing it as a kid and then as they grew up, it's like the series got seemed to get dumber to them. Yeah. I whereas I'm like it's always kind of had this certain yeah. certain goofiness in my mind, um, but I enjoy it anyway. And then our last uh, project update is for the podcast itself. Yes. Um, we've been doing this for a while, but we finally decided to pull the trigger and get a Facebook page, yeah. which is like, it's not really that much work. We just had never done it. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's something we had considered from day one. It just, I don't know, for a long time, I was never completely convinced that Facebook was going to last. Because <laughs> there was a, I remember there was a period of time when social networks rose and fell. You know, we yeah. had Zanga, then, and then uh, MySpace, and those both rose and fell. But Facebook and has, en- <laughs> but, but Facebook has endured. So, so anyways, we're very behind the times, but we're going to get one. And we thought, if you have suggestions for ways we can use it that are maybe different, whether I thought about polls... Um, getting because, ideas. Um, we can do Facebook Live if people really want to see our radio faces. <laughs> if nothing else, Facebook certainly still has a more vibrant community than, say, Blogspot. Yes, um, which is where which is our hosted. And yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be for all time. But. That's just our website. Yeah, and we've done some back with some. Uh, if you had trouble in previous months of with the 
downloading things. We uh, we've fixed a lot of our uh, hosting issues. Hopefully, we we we've, we've moved the podcast over to a completely different server. Yeah, um, so that should all be good. Yeah, on the website, a lot of the podcasts are still on the old server. Yeah, if you for some reason you want to find it on the website. All the old links still work. Yeah. But as far as the, the feeds, the feeds have been switched over. Yeah. So we've been doing some tinkering. Well, Nick has been doing a lot of tinkering back behind the scenes while I've been trying to get out hijacked. Yeah, you have hijacked to do. So, but anyways, if you have good suggestions for things you would like to see, extra sort of stuff, the podcast main will always be our main thing. But, you know, you want to see videos or polls or more, custom, you know, interactions about like what we should talk about next or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us. That could be a new place to leave comments. Exactly. Since you don't seem to want to go to the website to do no. it. It's much easier for a lot of people. That's true. So That's probably true. So this might be the first one actually posted on that site. Yes. Yeah, most likely. Because so. it's actually set up now as we speak. Yes. So You just need some tinkering stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. We'll, we'll be tinkering. So anyway, so that's um, our, our project update. update. All right. So I guess, Tim, um, these, these, these people here have put up with us relatively grudgingly we got some dirty looks while we were when we were cracking ourselves up earlier and they're, they're a little confused i think just by you know it doesn't make much sense it's like why is this podcast here but yeah i i don't honestly don't know what what brought us the vulcan either to be honest no it's not really our place i guess no but that's okay it's it's been fun to see the sights and it's been fun to be here yes and now uh this podcast is telling us that we must away air break of day <laughs> So you can, uh, again, check out our new Facebook page at, I don't even know how to find it. Just search for Derailed Trains of Thought on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. I think it's facebook.com backslash Derailed Trains of Thought. But okay. Sounds certain. good. Of course, the website is still there, derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. We still have an email address, although it's never really been used heavily. No. Do you check it ever? Every now and then. Usually when I'm trying to look for something else, I'll, I'll pop in there to see. <laughs> oh, have we gotten any emails? No, we haven't. See, if we were really tech-savvy, Twitter. No, if we were really tech-savvy, it would be like Instagram and everything else like my brother. But <laughs> but we're, we're about 10 years behind the curve, so. <laughs> we got this podcast thing going. I know. So. I mean, there's like new, these these audio casts, these radio shows, or whatever they are. Yeah, know. it's, it's old time. On the it's interwebs, good, yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Okay, anyways. Uh, so I should introduce my soundtrack so we can yeah. uh, move on. So since Nick did something from Professor Layton, I decided to do something from its uh, spiritual half-cousin. Yeah. Did they do some sort of crossover at some it, point? They did Japan? a crossover. I'm talking, of course, about Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Um, and they did do a crossover game, I believe, although I don't know how if it was getting good or yeah. not. But uh, this remix is called Carry the Moment. It is by Ocean's Andrew, and it's very fittingly, if, if Layton is the more... I know Layton has emotional that is the more puzzly yeah. whereas Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney games are pretty Objection! overblown yeah. <laughs> Objection! Yeah, they're pretty overblown over Despite the Despite having the logic sort of Besi- thing. Yes, beside, despite being very yeah, about piecing together mysteries too, it's uh, it's a little more over the top and that's kind of yeah. what this song is like it's very it's very exuberant Awesome. So I hope you enjoy uh, Until next time, uh, this is Nick This is Tim. Live long and prosper Beam me up, Scotty
Testing one, two, three. You can be louder than that. Four. Testing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the song that never ends. Dun, 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 this goes on and on, my friends. I can't beatbox, but <laughs> see, That's this amazing. is why people want Facebook Live right here, like as we're setting up. <laughs> yeah. And why we don't want it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs>